welcome to the space where creators have aligned a positive and intellectual collab of open minds. For sharing and learning from one another, it's a vibe. We produce a podcast on the mic. Subscribe, educators, spitting bars. I guess you didn't know I'm multifaceted and humble, taking off life goals. The classroom is my comfort zone where I plant and sow. Seeds of knowledge, compassion, empathy, and hope. Reading is the key to unlocking your potential. Countless benefits, including cognitive and mental. Regardless of the genre, books are highly influential. Go get yours, I'll get mine. Make you strive. Monumental. Come rock with me and get down to this new jam. Friends, I had a very simple plan. Educate the masses through books and life lessons. It's a grand slam. I'm out. Dalafalaba and welcome to the Reads of Rossa podcast. As you can tell, I'm really excited to introduce today's <laughs> guest. She is a proud Samoan, born in Hawaii, raised in southern Utah. I actually first came across her work after seeing a post by renowned author Lani Went Young shouting her out on Instagram. I love her, Mama. Our guest today is a writer who hopes to represent her Samoan roots while learning more about other Pacific Island cultures. And, folks, her debut novel will be released in January 2023. So keep (laughs) watching, keep listening for pre-order information. Welcome to the show, author, Carissa Stevenson. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, how are you, sis? Good, good. How are you doing? <laughs> Man, I'm all good. And and let me just tell people, right? So we this is the, actually the second time we've tried to set this up. Carissa's in Utah. You know, I'm out here in Japan. And then we mix. Uh, there was a mix up in times last week. So praise the Lord, glory be. We are back here today, making this happen. Yay! <laughs> Thank you, sis. I appreciate oh, yeah. it. You know, I know it's early days. It's early in the morning there for you. Late evening for me. Uh, how are things out in your part of the world? Um, things are good. Things are going great. We're in southern Utah, so closer mm. to Las Vegas, Arizona area. So it's still pretty warm down here. We just barely started cooling off this past week. So mm. now we're like getting down to eight, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm not sure what that is in Celsius, but it's <laughs> like summer. The long summer is coming to an end. Things are going good. Things are picking up with the book and I'm excited. <laughs> Man, um, this is cool. And, you know, we I have so many questions about your writing and obviously the book that is going to drop. Before we uh, go anywhere, though, I like to give our guests an opportunity just to kind of give a brief intro. Uh, shout out your villages, if possible. <laughs> go ahead, sis. All right, yeah. So, like you said, my name is Krista Stevenson. I was born in Laie, Hawaii, first village. Proud of that. Raised in St. George, Utah, and moved back to Hawaii for college. My dad is from Fale Lima, Samoa, and my mom's family. Well, we grew up in Fale Lima and also in Pesenga. My mom's family is from Ahua, and what was the other one? Oh, Fale. <laughs> Follow you, sorry. Follow you in American Samoa. And been writing my whole life telling stories. And it wasn't until 2019 I took it seriously. I banged out four novels that year and spent the next little bit trying to learn more about writing and publishing. And finally I decided to take one of them and run with it. And here we are. That one's my debut novel. <laughs> what are your first memories of books, like as a reader, you know, oh, yeah, growing yeah. up? Yeah, so I like I said, I grew up in southern Utah, which is extremely hot. The 
weather is all over the place in the summertime. And so as a little kid, it would be way too hot to do anything in the middle of the day. So my mom would take us over to the library. It's like, you know, growing up, huge Samoan family, not always the best financially, you know, when there's so many kids. So we, there was a time when we didn't have aircon in our house. And you can imagine living in a desert, it was insane. So we would go to the library in the middle of the day. And that wow. kind of became like, kind of like this oasis for me. It was nice. It was cool. There's all these books. And I remember like my mom would let us pick out books and read us bedtime stories. And then like on top of that, just listening to my grandma when she'd visit, telling old stories from Samoa or what it was like immigrating to Hawaii back in the day. And I just loved it so much. And from there, I decided like I was into reading. Wow. Did you have any favorite authors uh, as, as a young child, like, you know, visiting the library and seeing oh, like yeah. so many books? Who oh, uh, yeah, Can so. you just remember some of your favorite authors? Yeah. So obviously like being a 90s, early 2000s kid, like we were the Harry Potter generation. Right? <laughs> like I, yeah, I remember waking up super, like actually around this time with my mom and my sister, whenever the new Harry Potter came out. So we couldn't afford to buy a hardback copy. So we would be in front of the library, like at 6am in the morning with all these other things, like just waiting in line to get one of the copies or put ourselves on the waiting list. And that's, definitely a highlight that I remember. I remember seeing all the movies, reading every book as it came out, but oh, I could go off on that. I love so many different books. I read those ones. I read even like Babysitter's Club or Encyclopedia Brown as a kid. I remember those and yeah, like a lot of the classics, I guess you could say. Classic children's fantasy from the era. That was that was me, 100%. Wow, that is so cool. And then now I want to ask about your very first story that you wrote as a nine-year-old. Oh, gosh, that was so <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> embrace it, embrace it, sis. Own it and be proud. Okay, all right. So <laughs> nine-year-old, keep in mind, people, nine-year-old Crystal was in a very, very different spot. Okay, this was like fourth grade when playing basketball at recess was cool. And for whatever reason, I wanted green hair at the time because I was nine. So like, so I wrote a story about this girl with green hair who was at a basketball game and she turned into a snail. That was like my very first book. I was extremely proud of it. It was like stapled together. I made all my family read it. And then like, like a couple of years ago, somebody actually found it. I was mortified. <laughs> like my brother, you can imagine like my brothers were reading it out loud and all of them just cracking up. And then I'm like, well, look at me now, like actually writing a fairly decent story. So like, <laughs> Man, that's cute as, and you know what? You, um, when you're signing books in a bookshop one day, you need to talk about that. Oh, God. Very first story that you wrote as a nine-year-old and maybe even frame it or something yeah. like that for, you know, the future. That would be super cool. And um, so do you, you – oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like, that would make a great, like, uh, GoFundMe or something. Like, help support <laughs> typhoon victims. You could buy my first <laughs> terrible story. Man, you got – everyone starts somewhere, right? So, right, yeah. you know, own that. Um, and do you have a notebook of – like, I know – you took writing seriously later, which we will talk about like as um, like later when you were in uni. But I was wondering, did you have at that time, were you starting to write more stories? You wrote your first story at nine. Did you have a notebook that you carried in your bag that you just jot down ideas or? Actually, yeah, like I don't have any of them now, but as mm. a kid, like as soon as I found out writers were a thing, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be one of those. And so I would see like, you know, see images of the writer. They always have like the little notebook. They're always jotting things down. So 
as a kid, I always had a notebook on me. It varied like size or which one it was, but I would always carry it around to jot down ideas or even just to like pretend writing, thinking that, you know, the muses would strike and then like I'd write the next bestseller at 10 years old or something <laughs> like, but definitely, yeah, I always did that as a kid. As I got older, I got a laptop and then would just start typing things in Word or on Google Drive. And that kind of became the new writing notebook, so to say. Mm. Oh, so, that's so dope. <laughs> so, um, you know, you are a proud Samoan. You say this, you were uh, raised in southern Utah. And I was wondering about growing up, were you, how were you uh, connected in terms of our culture and language? Were you surrounded by a community, whether it was a Samoan community or even a Pacific Island community, maybe through church? Uh, yeah. What was your, yeah, where was your village? Okay, yeah, so in so to kind of explain how it happened when we moved to Utah, it was our family and we also had a bunch of my mom's cousins as well. Mm -hmm. You know, like Polynesians, we tend to migrate in herds <laughs> together, you know. And so I had all of my cousins around me growing up and it didn't feel that different from being in Hawaii because it felt mm -hmm. like, you know, we still had each other. We still had the cousins. And it's interesting now that I'm older to look back and we're talking with you know, non-Polynesians who grew up in Southern Utah and they will describe things that they did as kids or cultural references. And I don't get it because it just, it didn't apply to my world. Like <laughs> We just right. grew up. Yeah. So we had lots of cousins, lots of family. And in our house, it was my siblings, my parents, of course. And we had my dad's brothers and some of his sisters. My mom's sister at one time lived with us and all of my dad's siblings were from Samoa. My mom's sister had come from Hawaii. And so I just felt like I always had that village of support mm. around me. And, you know, like it was interesting getting older and seeing the cultural clashes between like standard American culture versus what I had grown up with. There had been like a lot of disconnect there. But mm. in the home, you know, always felt very loved, very rooted as a Samoan girl. And that's why, like, to this day, I'm extremely proud of that. Yay. And then um, you mentioned your villages, shouting out your villages earlier on. Have you been to Samoa or American Samoa? I actually haven't. Like all my experiences are from just family members and things that I've learned, you know, like cultural vasengas, things that were passed down to me. Mm. But I'm excited. My family's planning to go next June for a family reunion. So it'll be cool to like go and see all these places in person that I've heard about all my life. Oh, I love that. Um, so, you know, your writing really took off while you were a student at BYU in Hawaii. Um, you know, in your bio and actually doing research, research on you, uh, you mentioned that while you were at uh, BYU, you were survival stress writing. And you actually wrote four uh, novel-length manuscripts and a handful of short stories. So I was like, <laughs> oh, is that what survival stress writing is? <laughs> but um, I wanted to ask you if you could speak a, a, about that experience, but especially around resilience oh, yeah. um, and how you were able to overcome, you know, these challenging moments in your life, but just really pouring it out uh, into your writing. Yeah, of course. Um, so. For personal reasons, I don't share too much mm. of the details, but mm. I'll say like I 
found myself in some pretty tough situations moving back to Hawaii. I had gone by myself. I was taking care of my grandma who had dementia at the time. And it was it was hard. I mean, I loved her so much, but anyone who's been in that situation knows like how overwhelming it can be. All of a sudden, every free minute of the day was devoted to taking care of her and making sure she was eating, making sure she was bathing, making sure that, you know, she wasn't leaving the oven on in between classes. So every morning I would wake up like six around six, around this time, 6 a.m. <laughs> try to get things ready for the day, cook breakfast for her, go to my first class, run back and check on her, go back to the second class and then run back and check on her. It was nice that I lived with her. We were just down the street from BYU Hawaii and I could just bike back and forth as a poor college kid. And so trying to do all of that with the full school schedule and on top of like working the minimum wage job and paying for her, you know, like because of the situation, it was something that was hard to talk about with people. Like people didn't want to hear that she had dementia, that she wasn't doing well. So it was overwhelming because all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to take on all these responsibilities to the point of not having enough to eat myself. And that was something that I struggled with a lot, you know, at, like at my, I joke, it's funny now, but I always say like at my lowest of lows, I used to eat the dandelions off of like in front of the BYU library because I was that hungry and there was no food. Everything was going to, you know, trying to support and trying to do everything that I could. And between like in all of that, like I would write, like I started writing a ton as a way to kind of cope with it and mm. escape from it. And like writing for me was in the dead of night because it was mm. after a full day of trying to go to school, take care of grandma, work, get my homework done and clean the house and everything. Usually I wouldn't finish till maybe 12 or one o'clock in the morning. So I would take like a couple of minutes and just write like any kind of crazy fantasy mm. scenario that pulled me out of everything I was struggling with for a little bit, you know, and just kind of like be free, like anything can happen, you know, sky's the limits. And then like, finally, like a couple of years later, I, when we were able to kind of amend the situation, mm -hmm. I was able to move in with another auntie and just all the ideas that I doodled with, like now that I didn't have all the struggles I had in those first couple of years, writing just took off and mm -hmm. all these books came together after that. <laughs> I wanted to talk about role models, you know, as an author, mm -hmm. uh, who are some of uh, your role models? Well, you mentioned one earlier, like, money went young, like, oh my gosh, like when I, <laughs> like, I think I was in BYU at the time and I saw like one of the Telesaw books at the BYU bookstore. And I was like, wait, I know what a Telesaw is. And then reading the back and it's like, oh my gosh, she saw one like I am, yeah. you know, like, oh, it gives me chicken skins, like even now, <laughs> you know, cause, um, like when I would talk about wanting to be a writer before, like people compare me to like, oh, JK Rowling, you know, like yeah. Charles Dickens, Percy Jackson books. And like, yeah. I felt kind of a disconnect because like, well, I won't write those types of stories. That's not who I am. That's not what I resonate with. So just this idea that I could, you know, like be who I am, stay authentic to my Samoan roots and still like uphold this thing that I love, which is to write, you know, and actually like have multiple books the way that she did you know for me I was like oh my gosh okay this could happen this could happen this is a thing and I, I can and like I don't have to worry about trying to like brave the frontier or anything but mm. so I loved her for that and I loved like checking out her books as well I'd say like the Scarlet series is probably my favorite even though I'm not me too <laughs> me too <laughs> like, I mean like, 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's funny. Like, if you're listening and, like, and if you know me, you'd be shocked because I am not a romance fan, like, at all. <laughs> but the funny thing is that her series, like, Scar- like, the Scarlet Letters, it's so funny because it's just relatable. There's, like, there's a someone's sister goes to yeah. her sister's over-the-top wedding. There's the fight sala aunties. And there's, like, <laughs> like, all the stereotypes and stuff, but, like, in a funny, realistic way and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's what I love most about it. But... <laughs> Yeah, and you know what I love about that series is like I can hear the aunties, right? I can yeah. hear I can hear the mocking, I can hear the sarcasm, I can hear those that laughter and just you know, I have to say every time she released the book in that series, I read the book before and like I could you not know, when book number four like I, I spent the weekend reading I I know I need to get a life. But it was so good. Like I read this I have read that series like yeah. so many times. I love her other books, but just especially that one because you know, I just when I'm reading a book, I just and how I connect and engage is I hear those voices and it just makes me giggle, makes me laugh. Makes me cringe, you know, when you think oh, about yeah, the characters exactly. and the stories. I'm just like, oh my god, I'm so embarrassed for this character. But it's, uh, absolutely but it's love it. Too, that, like, and I haven't, I don't know if anyone else does this, but for me, like when I read it, like I just picture my own aunties, you know, like the group of the group of aunties that's all, yeah. or you know, the that one girl in the neighborhood that's all, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. I yeah, it just but yeah, it's just it's resonate, so relatable right? in that sense. Like yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um. So you mentioned you know author role model and as a, you know as a young Pacifica woman, uh, young Samoan writer. Um. Just in general, like, do you have a circle of mentors? You know, people that you keep close who keep you grounded you know the ones that you turn to for support like do you have any role models like that like maybe I don't know (laughs) oh yeah like a bunch and what's surprising for me is that when I like in 2019 that's when I went to started going writing conferences and everything I was thinking like okay I need like these many author mentors Mm. I need these many writer friends and these guys are gonna help me become like a better author and that ended up not being the case which um for me the ones who were most supportive of like obviously you know I gotta shout out to my parents my family the ones that keep me grounded it's funny because like now that things are picking up with my book and everything getting ready to publish like there's always those subtle jabs you know to kind of like deflate uh, the ego you know what I mean oi, like, oi, yeah. oi. like it's funny because we're talking about publishing my book I guarantee one of my brothers brings up the green haired girl on the, the turn <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah like they, they pop your ego real fast but I'm grateful because they keep me grounded you know like and mm. like my parents my siblings and in the actual business of helping me to you know become a better writer get a better author a better person like my first mentor was actually my cousin Tilo, who's a makeup artist. Which oh yes, yeah. yes, I, I follow mean, her. She's oh, amazing. Yeah, she's great, right? Oh, <laughs> she is. She is amazing. Yeah. I love her so much. And what mm. was crazy is she was the one that actually pushed me to go to my first writing conference. Oh, wow. In yeah, in 2019, you know, like I had just lost a job and I was struggling and everything but I knew that this conference was coming up I really wanted to go to it and this was like when Tilo was you know she had just gotten into Hollywood things were starting to blow up Mm. for her and I'm like okay Tilo's kind of risked it all she's been in that situation of going for the dream so I 
called her up and she was like and she was like do the dang thing well she didn't say it like that she's like, you know, like, in like other words but she's like do the dang thing like sign up for the conference buy the ticket do what you got to do make cookie sales whatever but if it's that important to you you have to go mm. you have to do it and so like I did and from there that was when I was like okay I need to be like I'm going to be an author I don't know what it's going to take but it's going to happen and you know just from that situation so that was surprising for me I'd say to anybody listening like don't think you can only have authors other authors be your author mentors like my first mentor like I said was my cousin a makeup artist and mm. so I yeah everything that I'm at now if she hadn't pushed me the way she had back then you know then I wouldn't have done it I wouldn't have gone and we probably wouldn't be having this conversation even. <laughs> oh, what a small world. Shout out to Tilo. Oh, I love her work. And it's yes. so awesome to hear you. Just the joy of that, that, you know, to hear that joy, see the joy in your face as you share that, you know, that special story. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I um, wanted to just go back a little. You mentioned going to a writer's conference. You know, for those of us who don't know, like, what is that like? Like generally, I, I know it's a writer's conference, obviously. Yeah. Like, you probably do like, like workshops there. And stuff, yeah, yeah. But what was, yeah. Can you share a bit of an experience that you've had at a writer's conference? Yeah. So that first one I went to, it was called LTUE. It's a conference mm-hmm. that's in Northern Utah. And what happens at writing conferences is you go and they have all these classes on how to develop your characters, how to find a good editor, what to look for in a cover artist, you know, like all these Mm. different topics that are all centered around becoming a better writer. And I went in, I wanted to go to that one because like my favorite author, you know, outside of funny young course lover, but like (laughs) my author, like, my all-time favorite author, like I've read all his books multiple times and I wanted to go because I knew he taught courses at this thing every year. It was Brandon Sanderson. Like, oh my gosh, I love his books. And so I got to go and I took one of my books and I met him and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Brandon Sanderson. Chill. <laughs> <laughs> like, not cool at all, but like, you know, like got his autograph and then kind of like, and it was cool because like these writers that are teaching, people going can be kind of catty like other attendees but the ones actually running it they're super supportive and so helpful like when I met Brandon Sanderson I thought he would just be like hey goodbye here's your signed book you know (laughs) like but he asked like okay what questions do you have I explained my situation and he's like okay I'd recommend you try this do that you know Mm. and keep applying for this or keep working on that technique and stuff and so I think it's something every author, every writer, anyone who wants to be should definitely check it out. <laughs> Man, that's cool. So for anyone listening, aspiring writers, if you're out there, now we know here's an experience. Thank you, Carissa. Yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about social media. Um, you mentioned some of the things that happened at this conference and kind of like how they kind of guide you and teach you about certain things in terms of uh, writing, but also you know, finding the right artwork, that kind of stuff, you know. So I was wondering, social media um, and that potential to reach so many different audiences and readers, what kind of connections have you made in regards to publishing, book art, illustrations, Mm -hmm. getting um, readers on board to actually read your, you know, samples of your work? So um, it's interesting you ask that because I – Personally, I'm not a big social media mm. person, you know, like before this, you'd like never find me on there at all. Mm. And stuff. But it was funny because another one of my mentors, 
who I met through social media actually is my cover artist Tosh mm -hmm. and she like I reached out to her about designing my doing the cover art for my books I followed her art for years I thought she was amazing total shot in the dark didn't think she would say yes and when she did it was another one like oh my gosh that's my artist <laughs> like, and, and like so that helped a ton and she was the one that kind of coached me through like social media how to engage with people how to reach people in meaningful ways and like how to kind of promote yourself without promoting yourself if you know yeah, I mean. yeah 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 yeah. Hard, hard. yeah and that's helped a ton so I'd say like it's been a huge help and I don't know if I would have the same reach or if this book could have mm. the same potential without it so that's my conversion story social media <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's interesting that you mentioned that because um I was wondering you know with the book dropping I know you're starting to drop pre-order information. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, is there a priority, like, thinking... Uh, the reason I, I want to know... Okay, when I interviewed um, Cecilia Etiwati, so she uh, was the co-editor with Lani Wen. Oh, yeah, for, for the Lani Wen Young, for the VAR, yeah. right? Yeah. And so she, she actually spoke about... Um, encouraging our pacific authors you know get get start an account get on social media just so that you know so mm -hmm. our people know that we have authors out there just doing amazing things and writing and and so forth and so i was thinking for you with the book dropping is growing your following on social media platforms a priority um i know not sharing everything but definitely as an author and just highlighting your work like <laughs> is that going to become a priority or uh is there another how how are you thinking in terms of promotion and, and stuff like that i think i'm definitely like i definitely do want to grow on social media for it because that's just where a lot of people are mm. you know it's like the, it's the town square it's the best way to reach people in a lot of cases and in our case you know like i found your podcast on instagram and that's how mm -hmm. we kind of connected in that sense so that's definitely a priority i would say now i'm not one to obsess over numbers so i'm not mm -hmm. like you know two more followers like i, I can't do right. that <laughs> you know but like I, so i focus on creating meaningful content in that sense mm. but as far as promoting the book i try to keep like a well-rounded approach in mind so like social media is obviously a big one but i don't want to put like all my hopes riding on that horse mm. you know so i'm looking at <clears throat> other things to do as well whether it's like doing doing events in hawaii like in-person events trying to become mm. a speaker at other conferences as well or doing a book signing somewhere in town and just kind of like growing like through multiple methods I don't know, did I answer the question? Yes, I would. I, that is, that's exciting. That's mm -hmm. really exciting because you know how you, I like that you mentioned, you know, creating meaningful content because we just live in this day and age of like, it's just a lot. <laughs> and it, it yeah. can get very overwhelming. Uh -huh. It's also social media is very time consuming, uh, you know, just getting on there and doing promotion and all that. So I like that you mentioned, you know, it's about creating that meaningful content, but I love that you're thinking of just other 
avenues like getting out there and doing in-person stuff since the world has pretty much opened up again. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that's so dope. That is so dope, sis, for real. Um, I want to talk about Wattpad because can okay. I tell you? Can Wattpad. I tell you? Hey, or you know what's funny? What's funny is I, I didn't even know about Wattpad until I connected with you. Once I saw that post when Lani went was shouting you out, then mm-hmm. I followed your account and I was like, clicked the link, got to Wattpad, had to sign up. I had never even heard of it before. <laughs> but I was so shocked to see, like, what? Oh, my gosh, she's written – she's got a couple of things on here. Like, it was like, whoa. But what I really liked, you know, because I'm always looking for uh, just authors, like our authors who are telling yeah. their stories, you mm-hmm. know, stories that were, like, for us, for our people. And I couldn't believe it. I was like – Carissa Stevenson, oh my god, upcoming author. Then I go on Wattpad, I was like, oh no, real for real author. Okay, okay, that's what's up. <laughs> so, so for those who are watching and listening, can you tell us a little bit a little bit about Wattpad, that platform, and how you got started on there? Yeah, so Wattpad's basically like the way they pitch it, it's like a YouTube for books, meaning like you mm-hmm. just create your free account, like with YouTube, you know, and you just have like all these ebooks available to you. Some they're like mine, I used to upload a new chapter weekly like that. Some they'll just drop it all at once so you can binge it. And that's kind of how the platform is. Now, like YouTube, you know, that doesn't mean every book that you find is going to be like national bestseller or anything mm. like some of them can be kind of cringe but like <laughs> you know yeah but it's like it's great because it's this opportunity to connect with people who are specifically there to read and write you know you're connecting mm. with readers and writers and people who just want to be in this world of figuring out like if they want to stick on Wattpad and just do the episodic thing or move on to print publishing like I did but yeah, so I totally recommend it. It's a great community. They have like all sorts of events. While I was on there, they do like contests for, you know, like in May with Asia Pacific Islander mm. Heritage Month. They had a lot of APIF, APIS. Yeah, you know, those kind yeah, of, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have like a lot of they have a lot of contests like that. So that's a good way to get feedback on your work. It's a good way to get exposure for your work. And for me, too, it's kind of like a confidence thing because by Mm. putting my stories on Wattpad and finding, like, these random people from all over the world that really liked them, I'm like, okay, yeah, like, I think think I'm ready. I think I'm ready for that next step. Man, that's so cool. You know, I was – because, honestly, I was just thinking, man, she's so brave. Like, she's so brave. (laughs) Like, anyone, just to to really uh, put your writing out there or even on a blog or something like that, like, that is – it takes a lot, you know, it takes a lot of confidence <laughs> to do that. So I love that you just, you just went for it. Um, now you have other writing, as I mentioned, you have other writing on Wattpad and I want to get to that soon. But hey. first, fam, first, let's talk about Shadow by Moonlight. This is your <laughs> book that will drop in January 2023. Congratulations, by the way, my sis. I re- I'm really looking forward to this release now. Um, in December 2021, <laughs> I'm so hardcore in my research. In December 2021, you started posting samples <laughs> of Shadowed by Moonlight yeah. on Wattpad. Now, here's the cool thing, fam. If you're listening, watching, it's received multiple awards and stunning reviews <laughs> by multiple Wattpad stars and ambassadors. Fam, I tell you, it's a thing. How do you feel when your hard work and your stories get recognized? I think. Part of it's that 
deer in the headlights, you know, like not the cliche, like, oh, you're talking about me. But that's definitely how, that's like how it feels. It's like, mm. you know, the feeling like, wow, like I wrote this book and people actually like it. People are reading it. And like you said, like a lot of Wattpad ambassadors, a lot of Wattpad, Wattpad stars and critics, they're telling me really good things about it. And it's one, it's a relief because it's like, whew, okay. I'm not just writing like stories, right. you know, basement stories that are just going to stick it out on myself and think like, okay, I've really got something here. And two, it kind of like gives you that extra courage to say like, okay, I don't have excuses anymore. Like mm. I'm not a developing writer or anything. Like I'm a writer. It's time to do the dang thing and publish a book. Can you take us through that creative process, like that journey in terms of like just starting that piece of work and then going, so, going, going, and then, oh, okay, I'm ready to publish this. I've, I've done it. Let's let's now get the editors in. Let's, t- can you take <laughs> us through that journey? So, kind of like where, it, where, like where the story idea came from, mm, kind of a thing. Or- yep, you can start with the inspiration and then just – yeah, like that start to finish process. So I got the idea for the story because I was thinking a lot about that Samoan proverb, you know, mm-hmm. like the apple of a brother's eye is a sister. And I just thought about that all the time. Like I didn't know how, but I knew I wanted to write a story about that. And coming from a big family, you know, like sibling stories were always fascinated me they're always more interesting than say a typical romance trope or anything (laughs) and so I knew like I wanted something with siblings and something that had to do with that proverb and so I would think like what are ways you could kind of turn this concept on its head tell it in a new way that'll still be true to that core belief that we have as Samoan people and so I'd like you know play around with it a bit and eventually the idea came like well what if there was a brother who couldn't protect his sister you know, because that's where that's why that saying is important. It's like brothers, you're supposed to protect your sisters the way that you protect your eyes. And so I thought, like, well, what if what happened if he couldn't do that? Like, say she needed him and he wasn't there. So then fleshing that idea out a little more, like, oh, well, what if he can't be there for her because she's stronger than him? And then that was kind of where this idea came from, like, okay, a jealous older brother and like a prodigious little sister, and fleshing out that relationship and thinking like, okay, I want this story to focus on him learning how to accept and love her as well as accept himself, you know, for who he is in spite of his flaws and everything. And from there, like the story just kind of took off. Like, mm-hmm. I knew like, I knew I wanted to do a Pacific Island fantasy world building, which for my non-writer friends, world building, like I said, you create the whole world. It's a fantasy place, not based on planet earth. And so mm-hmm. I, started getting into Pacific Island folklore, thinking elements that I want to keep from our culture, from other cultures, and how to tie it into this fantasy world and still make it feel very real, very Polynesian, but also mm. like having that fantastical element to it. Okay. You know, I'm always curious about names. Oh, yeah. Uh, names and character names. Like uh-huh. what was your thinking around that? the thinking process around that and deciding on character names. Okay. Yeah. So that was fun too. So in the book, there's like different villages mm-hmm. that kind of represent different aspects of Polynesian life. Like the first, the main character is, is from the light village. So everyone in his family, in the high chief's family, they have names that relate to light, except for the dad, because he ended up 
I don't mention this in story, but he was married into the family, so his name doesn't have to do with light. Mm. But the son's name is Toa Olela, which means like the sun warrior. The sister's name is Masina, and the mom's name Taifetu. I wanted to come up with something that means like kind of a guiding star, since she's mm. she has passed when the story starts on. But yeah, so that's like with those names, and then same for the other characters. Tried to do it something kind of related to their village or kind of related to their role as a character. For ones that weren't in the high ch- in the high chief's family, it just kind of depend. I don't know. It's one of those like kind of like personality. <laughs> like I would think mm. like I would think of characteristics, and then kind of think of a person, and then the name just popped up, and I went with that. Mm. Yeah, what surprised you the most? Uh, you know, now that you reflect on this journey, like writing the book, was there something that just really surprised you about the whole process? Um. I think the like one surprise is how much work is on the back end once the book is done. Mm. <laughs> you know, you think like the hard part's gonna be just writing the book, which can be a challenge. But once that's done, then it's okay. Time to find an editor, time to find a cover artist, time to think of how I'm going to launch it, time to think of pricing, marketing, like all these different things just sort of slam on. Mm. And like while that's happening, you're waiting for your manuscript to come back from these editors, and it's, you just know it's going to be ripped to pieces. Or you're just going to be crying mm. while you clean it up and everything. But yeah, so. I'd say that's been surprising, like how much works on the back end. I definitely have a new level of respect for indie authors everywhere. It is not easy. And mm. another surprising thing, I was, I guess I'm just, again, not to be the cliche thing, but surprised that people actually like it. That's, that's still like kind of shocking to me because, <laughs> um, you know, like I'm still in the world of everybody knew that, oh yeah, Krista, you, you write your books, you know, like that's cute. <laughs> but now like, <laughs> But now it's like, oh, it's all oh, she's she's for real. Oh, she's a real, she's real. Okay, Just, she wasn't missing about. Like she's doing this. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, like and, but it's funny. It's like, oh, that's cute. You want to do your book thing, but what's your real job going to be? Like, what are you really going to do? You know? Oh man, you're showing them. You're showing them now. You know. Um. So I wanna, um, because I don't wanna, I don't wanna. There's a, a part of me is like spill it sis but i don't want to give spoilers because we want people to pre-order and just get <laughs> totally pumped and amped for this oh, release that's coming in january you know so mm-hmm. um i want to just mention so i i said before that uh, carissa has other published work on uh published works on wattpad so you have a short story in papa's chair which also won yeah. the 2021 aim to engage contest hosted by Wattpad Empowered Ambassadors Committee. Congratulations. Uh, you have other work on there. And my question is, do you have plans to uh, put these in like a, in a book or it's short story format, ebooks, mm-hmm. or maybe even an audio book? I'm, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for audiobooks. So, oh, I love you know, those. I, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, eventually when I have enough, like I said, Right now, I think there's like four or five on Wattpad and I have some that I haven't put up and I've thought about making some sort of, I don't know, short story anthology or something, but I haven't had like a, I think, you know, most short stories, there's like a through line through an anthology, mm. like like the Va book, it's all about women from the Moana, you know, that's kind of like the through line for all my stories. I don't know what the through line is necessarily, right. but when I do, if I can find a way that I want to connect it, collect it, and share it with people, I'm definitely open to that. I think it'd be fun. 
<laughs> awesome. And then is there any chance that Shadowed by Moonlight, your new book, will have an audiobook version? Or is that kind of not really in the plans right now? Or No, I definitely want to because like you like yourself, I'm also a big audiobook fan, you know, and I think it's one of the best ways to reach potential readers or listeners in this case. For me, that one just comes down to funds. Like it's mm. really expensive to make an audiobook. <laughs> like I, I was surprised they charged like a hundred dollars an hour to be in a recording studio and you gotta like mm. hire for remixing and everything. But if I'm hoping with pre-sales that we can use a portion of that to help fund the audiobook and everything so that it can be ready to go by January. But that's in the works. It's in the works. <laughs> Fingers and everything crossable cross. I I've, I've, I'm, I'm, you, know, you already know this. I'm just super excited. Like anything connected to this release. I'm really, I'm just pumped for you, sis. Like it's just, it's so exciting to see, you know, we've got these, I don't, I'm not even going to say up, up and coming writer. Cause we've got these young writers, <laughs> to be published author, just like doing their thing, man. It's just, Oh, I love love to see it is what I want to say. Love to see it. Thanks. So, um, you know, you do not shy away from the fact that you, um, you know, you are a, you suffer from, um, you know, PTSD, and so you say that you want to use your work to raise awareness about the disorder, and especially breaking the stigma, you know, Polynesians have around mental health. Um, can you share a little bit about this? Like, do you have you connected with maybe um, community groups, uh, Polynesian community groups, who or a support crew? I, I, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Like a big uh, support for me is I I dance for a group in town called Tefano Watera, and I'd say that's been like the best part of my recovery. <laughs> like, honest mm. to goodness, like my group leaders, you know, she really understands mental health and like how hard it is as Polynesians to not just deal with it, but even just to talk about it, you know, because in our culture, it's such a taboo thing. And it's really, I don't know, it's like, it's frustrating, you know, because we act like we hear all the time, like mental health, like, oh, it's such a Palangi thing. It's a Palangi mm -hmm. problem. But as it turns out, like we also have brains, we have minds, and we're not immune to things like mental health disorders. So for me, like dancing with the group's been a big help. I've done like regular therapy that's helped. I've done multiple individual and group programs. There's actually a mm. holding women's support group that I go to sometimes here in town as well. And that helps a lot too. And like, I'd say, yeah, like with Polynesians that are struggling with it, you know, I like don't think it makes you palangi or anything because, like I said, we all have brains. You know, we're all humans and suspects mm. sus to these types of things. And when you have PTSD, that means you've gone through, like, trauma, multiple traumas in most of the cases. My case, definitely, like, life-threatening trauma. And that's not something you just walk away from. Like, we don't expect mm. people with broken legs to just hop up and start dancing the next day. So, Say like find your support and just be patient with it yourself because it's not something that heals overnight it, it does take time <clears throat> you know i wanted to ask about faith and um you know your faith uh how how does faith inform uh decisions uh, that you make you know in your everyday life um yeah so for faith i'd say i've definitely struggled especially these past couple of years with the PTSD thing, you know, like for me, 
like it's hard to think like oh like i've never questioned faith in god the man upstairs my god like, i believe in him and but the thing like how am i supposed to believe that he cares about me when mm. all these things happened in my life you know like how can i like how can you expect me to say that he cares about me as much as he does the people that did this to me you know like that's mm. that just there's such a big disconnect and i've definitely struggled with that i think for me at that point it's just they say the fundamental of faith is learning to put your trust in someone or something that you can't see and for me it is hard to see like how any of that makes sense like trauma in general just doesn't make sense but to think that well personally like as awful as that was and as easy as it is to believe like oh god doesn't care about me like i find it even harder to accept that i'm just life is just meant to be like this you know mm. like that's that's the thing that i just can't accept like i just can't accept that i'm meant to go from bad thing to bad thing and then eventually die <laughs> you know like i mm. have to have faith that things will get better that they can be better and yeah it's not easy it's definitely a struggle but mm. that's, that's one day of, at a time huh yeah one, one day, day at a time. time sometimes that's that's all you can do <laughs> Mm, and that's okay that's okay too one day at a time um so you mentioned uh the Tahitian dance group that you you love to dance and that's another <laughs> way you know to really help with mental health and well-being uh what are some you know when we think about I ask all the guests you know self-care uh because you know the guests that come on they just so uh, you know everyone's busy and just super hard working just out there smashing goals um so i was just wondering you know what other ways do you treat yourself um just in terms of just disconnecting from everything having a break from writing um aside from dancing what else do you do um i love weightlifting that's my other thing is Ooh. i yeah so every morning i usually wake up like 4 30 or 5 and we go to we go to our CrossFit gym and my coach there specializes in Olympic weightlifting, which there's a whole other backstory on that, how I got into that and everything. But <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's something I absolutely love. There's something extremely satisfying about picking up heavy objects and watching them fall down and just like slam into the ground. Like, so that's something I love to do. And then, like you said, I love to dance. I love to hang out with my family and like my nieces and nephews best Aww. tiny human friends you know like they're, and yeah just doing things like that going outside taking a walk taking a bike ride taking a jog and yeah like anything to get me out of the riding bog because that can be that can be a bit of a black hole sometimes mm. and you know your writing space now that you mentioned it i was curious uh writing space what does your writing space look like uh, what I mean is, do you sit on a desk? Are you a couch person? Are you, yeah, what, can you give us an idea of Carissa's creative space? <laughs> I will say, like, don't expect anything fancy if that's what you're thinking, just throw that out. There's no, like, secret library or anything that I can <laughs> like like, like, door. Yeah, exactly. Like, as much as I'd love to have one, you know, like, you pull yeah. the book out and it slides yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, don't have it yet, but yeah, I'd say I'm. I'm more of like a couch writer, which is like, I'll start on the couch and then like lay on the couch. And then eventually I'm just like sprawled on the ground, just typing over <laughs> again. So like, but yeah, like I move around a lot when I write. Actually, sometimes mm. I'll just go to the community rec center and just walk on the treadmill typing and stuff. Wow. And that's, yeah, like I like to move around and think and try things in different places. So 
to answer the couch, the floor, the treadmill, and <laughs> so, man, that's so different. I'm glad I asked because I'm just, you know, like usually it's like I have a desk space or I have a quiet space, but that's right. so different. Yeah, it's that's funny. super different. I would, I would hear that a lot, and that's what they always advise: like you have your space, it's just for writing, you know, and <laughs> you don't do anything there but writing. I tried that, and for me, it was just so boring. It felt like being yeah. forced into a cubicle, you know, like that. Right. Like you just like store yourself in there, like okay, now type slave, and it just I didn't like it. <laughs> like I need, I needed a little more freedom and movement and stuff. Yeah. Uh, future aspirations, uh, goals that you have yet, or goals that you're still you're still trying to achieve as an author. Firstly, author goals, aspirations, future aspirations. Okay, well, um, let's see. And obviously, I like getting this book published, like have it successfully out and available to the public, you know? And I do have a goal to be invited as a guest speaker or something at a writing conference one of these days. I don't know. I think that'd be really cool and kind of pay it forward the way Brandon Sanderson did for me, even though oh. he doesn't know it, it's fine. <laughs> like, um, like, and so I think that'd be cool. And then of course, just getting ready for the next book that I want to write and just always be reading, always be writing, always be publishing. Mm. personal goals uh in terms of future aspirations goals that you've yet to achieve personally um well going back to the ptsd thing that's definitely a goal to be 100 percent recovered like no more symptoms or anything like that and to be able to help other people going through similar struggles i think that's a pretty big goal of mine as well and yeah <laughs> do you have any book recommendations Oh, heck yeah, tons. Okay, <laughs> let's go. Drop them, sis. Drop them. <laughs> okay. Well, like, we obviously talked about the Scarlet series by Lani Young. If you want, like, a good kind of rom-com that's also super relatable for some ones, I guess pretty funny. So yeah. That's what I'd recommend. For Shadow by Moonlight, the one that helped me put that one together, The Well Rider by Witi Ihimaira, that one was really good for me and kind of gave me perspective on that. Of course, like Brandon Sanderson books. I love all of those. <laughs> my, mm. The one I'd recommend first is called Elantris, which is about a guy who wakes up sick and gets thrown into a zombie town. And mm. kind of, yeah, but it's like, I love, <laughs> it's funny because like Brandon Sanderson's through line for all his books, they're about people put in terrible situations who choose to like overcome them in spite of how hard it is. Mm. And but yeah, so it's like this one, this guy's like working his way out of like a zombie town place and he ends up getting everybody to clean up the city and stuff but it sounds cheesy but it's really good <laughs> okay I, I, I'm, I'm curious I think I need to look up his books after this you had me there you had me I was just like Oh, okay. So yeah, like, so, I'll take the, like ones that I'll take the ones of his that make the best audiobooks because some of them, like the way the guy reads it, like kills the story. But yeah, there's yeah. some that are pretty good. <laughs> okay. Got it, got it. Now, um, back to Shadowed by Moonlight. Pre-orders are now open for your new book. I know, dropping in January 2023. You know the year is gonna fly by so quickly fam you do not want to miss this oh. how can people get onto this sis? so go you can click the link in my bio it's called shadow just go to shadowbymoonlight.com we actually have a coupon code for listeners to this podcast so when you go to check out type in reads with rosa for mm -hmm. the coupon code and it'll knock off 10 percent. 
There you go, fam. Don't be that guy who just checks out the website and then gets off. Get in there, click pre-order. You, I, I tell you, you will not be disappointed. <laughs> I'm for real. You know, you know, I don't like. You know, when it comes to promoting the stuff, like for real, fam. Uh, listeners, watchers, please get out there, support Carissa and just the amazing work uh, that she is doing as a writer, author. Woohoo! Um, there was something real quick I wanted to ask. So. Um, it's on your website. It says 10% of every purchase will be donated to Jay's yes. Legacy Foundation. Uh -huh. Can you just mention uh, a little bit about what Jay's Legacy Foundation is? Yeah, of course. So they're a nonprofit committed to helping athletes, artists, mm -hmm. or community members just reach their dreams. They actually helped to sponsor me, which is how I was able to be successful on the Kickstarter and get to where I'm at. They started this foundation after their son Jay died in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And since, you know, now they're everything in the organization is done in memory of their son, everything they do is to help people achieve their dreams like myself or anyone else like that. So I'm 100% behind them. And every, for every order, like you said, 10% mm -hmm. will go back to the foundation so that they can help other people with their dreams as well. So, fam, again, please support, um, you know, uh, Jay's Legacy Foundation. Please get onto the website. I'm going to be posting uh, ways that you, different uh, platforms that you can connect with uh, Carissa online, uh, follow her work, uh, support her, get onto supporting our Pacifica uh, Samoan authors. There are not a lot of us out there Um Okay, sorry, I take it back. There are many of us out there. We just want to give our people their flowers, you know, writers who are telling our stories, um, you know, stories by our people, for our people. Uh, so let's let's just get out there and support our amazing writers, fam. Oh, uh, one last question before I ask you to wrap this up, Carissa. Um, yeah. Kickstarter, Kickstarter. <laughs> you, oh, put yeah. on, you, you went through this whole big massive campaign. I mean, how how crazy is it that you you reached your goal? Like you must have been like, whoa, this is mind blowing. Oh yeah, like I, you mean of course, like I spent months planning the Kickstarter. You know, I tried mm -hmm. to budget, tried to do all the marketing things to make it a success. But of course, like in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, if it doesn't work, I'll do this. This, you know, like I had Plan B, C, and D lined up. So when Plan A actually worked, that blew my mind. Like <laughs> I had to like refresh it three times to make sure it wasn't a mistake. And that's it was pretty amazing. Say <laughs> like, yeah, I'm I'm beyond grateful to everyone that supported it. <laughs> it was yay. I'm so I was I was stoked when you reached that goal. I was like, man, <laughs> look at this sister go. Like I said, love to see it. Uh, we've reached the part of the show. I just I just want to drop some quick words and then I'm going to ask you just to wrap up our show with just some final uh, words of wisdom or just words of encouragement for our listeners and viewers. Uh, but before that, Carissa, I appreciate you so much. You know I'm so overboard. I'm such a fan. <laughs> you know I'm a fan, sis. You know I am a fan and I am so happy that I – was able to connect uh, with you online and just to see growth, see um, what this amazing writing that you're putting out there to the world. Um, I just want to say, you know, um, you are resilient. You are, oh. you know, the work that you're doing, uh, it's empowering, it's inspirational. So just keep writing. I keep putting your stories out there. You know, I'm going to be following like <laughs> fangirling hard, uh, but I love your vibes, sis. I thank you so much for coming on the show and 
uh, like I said, uh, coming into this space, we're meeting actually for the first time. So, but I feel like I've, you know, I've known you for a while. We're just kind of chatting, you know, we're just like yeah. catching up. So, um, thank you so much for sharing a bit of your journey. I look forward to continuing to follow your journey as a writer. Um, but yeah, go hard for Malosi. You got this, sis. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I just want to uh, hand it over to you just to wrap us up, wrap up the podcast. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Like I said, love the show. Love hearing your interviews with all these different creatives. And for, I guess I'd say this just came to mind while we were talking for anyone who might be in my situation or have been in my situation, you know, mental health wise, definitely don't close yourself off to getting help because you're, you're totally worth it. And then for anyone who calls himself an aspiring writer, aspiring author, my advice, get rid of the aspiring part. Like, don't say you're trying to be something. If you write every day, if you're reading all the time, you're an author, you're a writer. Take yourself seriously and get to work. Get it out there. <laughs>